0: Welcome to Prime of Our Lives, a podcast about navigating pop culture and the Korean wave in our 30s. I'm Polly Kwok.
1: And I'm Katie Logan.
0: Hi, Katie. How are you? Oh,
1: I'm good, Polly. How are you?
0: I'm okay, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But... um. I've been quite excited about having this podcast episode, actually.
1: Me too. Me Um, too.
0: And we've had quite a few listeners ask whether we would do an episode on this. So it's quite nice to actually do one. Yes. Um, So what episode are we doing today, Katie? Why the hype?
1: We are discussing Harry and Meghan's Oprah interview And I guess, like, we haven't really talked much about the royal family on the podcast before, but, you know, just maybe an overview of the Harry and Meghan situation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And I guess a bit of background, Um, Katie, have you always been really into the royal family?
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, But I have to say, over my time living in the UK... I think maybe seeing it up close made me question it a little bit more than I had ever questioned it living in America. And I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: What about you, Polly? I
1: I don't know. I think in Canada
0: it's... I mean, because it's in the Commonwealth. Yeah. I mean, I've waved to the Queen because she's visited Vancouver before. Yeah. And I think the understanding maybe it's for personally speaking i can't speak of all canadians let's be honest here um i think she is the head of the country because of the commonwealth so i don't really didn't really see the story of the family as this big sensation Mm -hmm. obviously there's you know the will and kate wedding and when i was in canada at the time and everybody watched it but it wasn't like some kind of I don't know k-pop following or anything like that okay so i don't i'm sure there were royalists definitely in canada i just didn't know very many like it was like any other celebrity story yeah. i think we've discussed the crown before and if you haven't heard an episode go check it out um but yeah everything that happened in the crown i went and googled after because i was like well, i didn't even know if this is real what happened stuff like that and actually i think moving to the UK, it yeah, it does feel more, the royal family feels more real. Because I mean, like, if they're based in Windsor, they're not that far from me. Yeah. Like, geographically, like, not a stone's throw, but like a short drive. Yeah. Every Um, time I would
1: come see you, we would like be like, oh, you know, there's Windsor Castle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: So it's kind of weird. I don't know. I think it gets into... You know, if you're a taxpayer, it gets into, like, how, like, what power does the royal family have and the monarchy have in the country? Like, there's more layers to it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. it affects you more.
1: Yeah, I think away from the UK, <clears throat> and obviously you can speak to the Commonwealth experience and I can speak to, like, the American experience. Away from the UK in the US, the royal family is very much... And and Megan said it in the interview. It seems like they're just like celebrities. Like yeah. they wear pretty clothes, they make appearances, they go to movie premieres, they wear tiaras, they go to like national events, they wave, they smile, and that's it. Like and then the coverage of them is like what they wore, pictures of them like doing this, da 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 da. Like it it's very much like they seem like celebrities. In the U.S. Um, I mean, I think if you dig at all a little deeper, you, you can start to see some of the differences. But living in the U.K., for sure, you see much more, like, the appearances at, like, random town museums. <laughs> like, the random, like, sheep farm stop-bys. Like, you see much more of the day-to-day, less glamorous stuff they're doing. Yeah. And also you have the conversation around like you are paying them as a taxpayer
0: yeah and it's like there's there was a lot of you know articles about the whole paying for Frogmore cottage and renovations and i think it's different when you have when you're contributing to it actively and it's actually interesting obviously we're diving into megan harry's oprah interview and having had a few discussions with different people, I actually find that talking with people from different, like obviously the UK, people I know from the UK versus people from Canada versus people from America. I feel like everyone's viewing it slightly differently, mm. which is quite interesting. Yeah. I'm not saying I didn't expect it, but it's very palpable. Yeah. yeah. So overall, Katie, yeah. being um, a more royal, loyal follower than I am. (laughs) Um, What did you
1: think? Oof. I mean, I was shocked. Shocked by the interview. I really thought it would be pretty generic in the end. Right. I thought they... I mean, the podcast appearances, the statements they've released, the, the lawsuits they've initiated, I thought they were going to focus primarily on the influence of the UK media in driving their exit from Britain. But it was extremely clear in the interview last night that it was their relationship with the rest of the family and not the media at the end of the day. Yeah.
0: I also was not expecting that.
1: Yeah. They spilled the tea.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Were you expecting... Yeah, you were expecting a less hot, hot cup of tea. Exactly. Obviously, I think the main star for me from the takeaway was that Oprah is a great interviewer.
1: Oh my gosh, I agree. That is a key takeaway from this.
0: Yeah, she can... I mean, I think overall, I don't know. They say it's not scripted. Um, It is American television, I don't fully believe that there isn't even a slight discussion about general topics that might be discussed. I I feel like some of her lines, yes, she's experienced, and I told you about this, some of them feel very scripted.
1: I mean, I think even if it wasn't scripted or practiced, like, she probably, you can predict what questions are going to come up, what responses are going to be given, what you want to say if they say this.
0: They were key, like, sound bites, like, were you silent or silenced?
1: That well, was like that's just Oprah a being a genius. I
0: think, I think it's a soundbite.
1: <laughs> that's Oprah being a genius. I think like she has done this for so long. She like her whole career is built around her massive skill at telling a story, getting this, getting the admission, like get, getting to the heart of an issue, and just like being a masterful interviewer. And she's not just an interviewer, you know? She's not, like, having a dry interview show on CNN. She's an entertainer. So she, she is masterful, I think, at, at combining the art of interviewing someone with the art of creating a bit of sensational content. I think, I think
0: that's the key word I found, that the entire thing felt very sensationalized. Like, yeah. the whole, like feature like there was a you know teasers with clips and there was all this hype and everyone's like are you watching it no are you watching it and (laughs) it's like we're not watching like the season finale of Grey's Anatomy here like this is meant to be someone's life right I
1: think this is maybe maybe most Oprah interviews don't have the global appeal that this one does but like for me this is very par for the course with these Oprah interviews like She's done the Kardashians. Remember her Lance Armstrong interview? Like, oh my God, you could not escape the promo and sound clips from that interview. And she did Lindsay Lohan. She's like, she's done she's done these interviews. Every time Oprah does an interview like this, it's promoted in this way in the US. And I think maybe it's just the first time like that it's been quite so global.
0: Yeah, I think this is coming back to viewing it from different points of view. Like, I'm so not used to... American TV now. Yeah. Like the fact that there are commercial breaks like 10 times in <laughs> yeah. 2 hours. I'm just so you're right. Like I know I've heard that Oprah has done these interviews. I think this is the first since the Oprah show. Mm-hmm. This is probably like the first proper interview I've actually seen. Okay. Yeah. So.
1: No, she does them like this. This is very like this is this is Oprah. <laughs> So, what was your initial takeaway from the interview, Polly? I also didn't think it was going
0: to be, as you say, as shocking. Like, I thought it would be more around her mental health journey. Yeah. And, you know, talking about her recent miscarriage loss mm. and, you know, it's International Women's Day. I thought there would be kind of more of a her journey and her experience rather than like a kind of well, this is actually what happened Yeah. behind the tabloids.
1: Yes, and one clear example of when Megan fully shared the story behind the headlines was when she explained that it was actually Kate Middleton who made her cry before the wedding and not Meghan who made Kate cry, as they had reported in the tabloids. That, that was where my jaw was on the floor.
0: Yeah, where it was the reverse situation.
1: So while there was some hot tea, I think perhaps the most important story Megan shared in the interview was about her mental health. Yeah. And so for our listeners who maybe haven't seen the clips or didn't watch the interview, uh, Megan said that during her pregnancy with Archie, when the coverage got really bad and she was feeling extremely isolated, she said for ex- she felt like she had left the house twice in four months and was being told she couldn't go out because... Um, she was oversaturated in the media, so she couldn't, you know, be seen in public. And also came up later that she had her passport and keys and credit cards and driver's license kind of taken away and, like, held by somebody else. Um, mm. So she was feeling really isolated, really lonely, and there was all this incessant negative coverage of her in the press, which I was in the UK during her pregnancy, and I can confirm that there was a lot of coverage and a lot of really negative coverage of her. And she said that at a certain point in that pregnancy, she began having suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought for me, that was the most moving and impactful part of the interview. Like that was the heart of the interview. Like as soon as she was describing her experience, like when it went to commercial break after that, I was like, ah, like, okay, you know what? I get it. Like, of course. If, if things had gotten to that point for her and she and Harry felt like they needed to step back and walk away, like, of course, of course that makes sense then. Like, I thought if that was a story they wanted to share and explain, like, then I, I totally, I think that provides plenty of context for their decision. And, I mean, it was really brave of her, I think, to share to that extent how she was feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was I think obviously both of them have been a big kind of champion for mental health, um and I think they threw back to that How are you question in the last leg of their tour, yeah, what's that someone asked them, and I mean that is kind of you know destigmatizing mental health, and I think there are, are very there's very many relatable moments in that discussion specifically yeah. because she said, you know I was feeling terrible. And, you know, you'll see in pictures, I was holding his hand really tight. And I think, generally speaking, everyone has an off day. And when you have an off day and you have to go to work or you have to, I don't know, go to a social event, like, you, I can relate, like, feeling like you need to put on a smile and feel like you need to pretend that everything's okay so that no one knows. Like, I think that's very relatable. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, as you say, it's very brave of her to share that because it's very personal. And, you know, as she says, it's very hard for people to ask for help. It's also very hard for people to like even recognize that it's a problem. Yeah. And then when it is a problem to ask for help and if you can't get help um, to do something about it, I think, you know, all very brave, proactive things. Yeah. Um, that I think is, you know, good to mention and that people should follow. But I guess I was just hoping that that was the core of the interview. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't feel that, as you say, I think that was a a good main takeaway as her championing her being vulnerable and sharing that so that other people could see that and maybe do the same. But that didn't feel like the core of it. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like the core of the interview.
1: I know what you mean, Polly, and I think you're right. Especially when Prince Harry joined the interview, they did spend a lot of time explaining the many ways they were failed by the royal family. And I guess it is really hard when you're listening to distinguish between the royal family as an institution and the horrible things they have done with the fact that this is literally Harry's family. I would worry that this kind of thing does more harm than good if you truly want to repair that relationship. Which, you know what, maybe, maybe Harry doesn't want to repair that relationship, actually. Like, I don't know, some of the things that they talked about, if that's, if that is how they perceive their family's actions, racist comments made by family members, this perception that they were kind of hung out to dry and not protected when it came to the press that the, the firm was prioritizing protecting other members of the family over them, If they perceive that to be the way it is, and if that is the way it is, and that relationship is toxic, and they don't want to heal that relationship, then I guess they don't mind burning those bridges.
0: Yeah, it seems like the only person, people, maybe person, in their good books is the queen. Yeah. Like, everyone else seems like an enemy.
1: Can I say, about the queen, I don't know if you can have it both ways, like, I feel like Everyone on all sides of this quote-unquote issue, they talk about the queen like, oh, she's like, you know, this head of state, head of family, like, incredible, incredible woman, loads of experience, met with all these prime ministers, provided so much, like, great advice, da-da-da-da-da. And then at the same time, like, I'm sorry, but in an organization, the fish rots from the head. Even Harry said in the same interview, oh, I think she just gets really bad advice. Well, if she is such a sage advisor, a wise woman, why can't she see through the bad advice she gets?
0: Yeah, I mean, (sighs) this is coming back to, I just finished watching Itaewon Class, Mm. like not to bleed everything into Korean dramas, (laughs) but this reminds me of a corrupt corporate organization. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where it's a family business, which it is the business side and the family side are intertwined. Yeah. And as you say, the queen is what I would consider the chairman or chairwoman of the situation. Yeah. She ultimately has the power. Yeah. To do whatever the heck she wants. Yeah. So. I think it's really interesting how, as you say, they separated the queen. They separated the queen from being the head of the firm and the institution to being Harry's grandmother.
1: Who just happens to get some bad advice from some bad men.
0: Exactly. And I just don't think you can...
1: You can't do that. The other thing I wanted to say, that
0: some of it in the interview... I, I think she, some of the statements, that, so the, obviously they address, you know, what does it mean to be in the royal family? Mm. And I think some of the things she said is like, oh, well, Americans don't know anything about royals. Uh, that's not or, true. Or I didn't do any research. Yeah. Or I didn't know I had to curtsy. Or oh my God, I had to Polly. Google the national anthem.
1: <laughs> this I was is, just like, <laughs> this is next it's on almost my list. Culturally,
0: yes, I, you know, I don't know the royal protocol, but I've seen princess diaries, (laughs) like, it's very, you know, you can put two and two together that if you meet the queen for the first time, you'd have to bow in some way, right? Like royalty is still royalty now, I think. Yeah. (laughs) And knowing a different, like, I moved to the UK, would I go and learn about the country I moved to yeah because I live here now and I want to be culturally sensitive and aware yeah it's not rocket science
1: no that part it's not that I didn't I I know some people on Twitter or some people are like oh she's lying like of course she googled her husband I don't really care like she said she didn't know anything about it I say that was dumb (laughs) That was dumb on her part and particularly dumb on Harry's part. I'm like, he should have explained to her. I was yelling at the TV during this part. Like, if my husband had put me in a car to go meet his grandma and then on the way was like, oh, you're going to have to curtsy to my grandma. Do you know how to curtsy? Like, I would be like, turn this car around. Like, yeah, you take me home and teach me how to curtsy and tell me what I need to know before I jump in here.
0: Yeah, I think Harry should be the one to educate her. Yeah, 100 percent for her to say, well, there were no classes. It's like Harry grew up in this world. He knows all the rules. Yeah. And all the etiquette. Yeah. And how to manage them. And if she didn't meet whatever standard that she didn't know she had to meet, he should also be her advocate. Yeah. With his family. Yeah. Because he's her other half.
1: Yeah. And you can contrast that with William and Kate a little bit because the whole mythos around weighty Katie when when William took so long to propose and marry Kate Middleton like the whole rationale the or you know what we think happened there was that he wanted to go really slow and yes. introduce her really slowly because of what happened to his mom yes he knew that it took a lot of time to figure out how to operate in this system and that was the reason he went so slow and so yeah. some of the the stories that have leaked that have said you know William said that Harry was moving too fast with Meghan and Harry got offended. Totally hypothesizing here, but like maybe he was trying to share that understanding with Harry when he said that he felt like maybe he was going too fast. When clearly in this interview, they did go too fast because Meghan wasn't ready. She wasn't prepared properly. Harry didn't take the time. And, you know, all of us... Harry was
0: not very resourceful.
1: All of us with husbands can empathize. Like, I would not trust my husband (laughs) on this. What do you think, Polly?
0: The fact is, even for a normal relationship, right? If you're not even a royal couple, to date, get married, have your first child within, what, two Two years? Two years.
1: It's insanely That's quick. A lot. Yeah. yeah. And I
0: guess the other conversation I had with people is that maybe she thought, oh, well, I'm already a celebrity. Maybe I'm just becoming a more famous celebrity, mm-hmm. which in theory is the same. So I'm used to that already. Yeah. Therefore, I might be used to it. Yeah. Given her background and what I know she has done in her life, she wouldn't go into something like this feet head first or whatever
1: although it does seem like that's kind of what she did like I think maybe she was in this relationship she was really excited about it she had talked to Harry quick side note there there were so many moments in this relation in this interview where she said you know I talked to Harry about it or Harry told me about this like oh it does seem like she was cut out of a lot of conversations so she was In love with this man, they had conversations about the vision, like, the future they could have together. And they had this plan of, like, you know, we can come together and we can advocate for these causes on a global stage and be, like, so, um, you know, powerful. And they were so, like, swept up in their vision of, like, what was possible that they moved ahead without planning the logistics, maybe, and it's but like, like Harry, logistics are always where it gets you. It's like Blue Sky
0: thinking, why don't we go do this and this? Okay, let's do it. Yeah. How would he not know that so so some things would not be kosher with his grandmother? Like, for them to be caught off guard so many times seems really odd.
1: You know, another example of Harry failing to do the work before marrying Meghan was around the racism in his own family. The fact that he said he didn't even think about the impact of her being mixed race. Like, come on, Harry.
0: Look around your entire family. Everyone is white.
1: Yeah, read a history book about your family. Like, I just think it's just so bonkers to say, oh, I didn't know. It seems like, I, I think he said, you know, he wanted to bring his family along with him as he started learning some of this. And that they were unwilling to, I don't know, take whatever unconscious bias training he was offering. Oh, Buckingham Palace just released a statement. Ooh, what did it say? They said, The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members. Yeah, so very to the point, I guess. But back to the issue of the impact of Meghan's race. It wasn't just that she faced racism from the royal family. There was obviously racist tabloid coverage and intense racism from some areas of the public. I don't know. I mean, I guess I hadn't thought about and I should have, of course, but like the connection between the racism um, that Megan faced uh, and like the volume of death threats. Like I always forget about that, like very dark side of social media and, um, you know, life in general is that we talk about celebrity a lot on this podcast and like and that there are truly deranged people out there. Who um, would issue death threats towards famous people, and I'm—it sounded like I'm sure they had like very scary <clears throat> death threats beyond just being famous, but also from you know a, a race perspective. Yeah, I think security was a big theme of the whole interview. They talked about it a lot. Some of the stuff Harry was saying around his security being taken away and like being cut off, and I was like. But you quit your job, mate. Like, when you quit your job, you don't get an income anymore. Yeah. I guess I can hear what he's saying around he thought, like, he, as a HRH, from when he was born, that he would always have the right to security. But that's such a privileged thing to say. Oh, like, cringe when he said that. And, like...
0: Yeah. And to move halfway around the world to expect security to follow...
1: Oh, yeah. ...also
0: is, like... Are you serious?
1: And I think this is where Oprah didn't press them at all on these things. And this is where it's like a difference between living in the UK and being a taxpayer versus being an American, observing it, where you're like, oh, my God, they took away your security. And whereas I'm like, I I was paying for your security. Like, no, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I mean, I realize it wasn't his choice to quit completely. And they just wanted to step back. Personally, I think the royal family made a huge mistake not letting Harry and Meghan just step back from senior royals and working part-time like they proposed.
0: Yeah, overall, Harry and Meghan not being a working part of the royal family is an opportunity loss.
1: Mm. I mean, I was saying to you, like, if there were a really organized anti-monarchy movement in the UK between some of the concerns raised in this interview, and uh, all the stuff with Prince Andrew, I think the royal family would be at risk here. Like, perhaps deservedly so. Any other key takeaways, Polly?
0: I don't know. It just feels like there were a lot of privilege moments that made it really hard to empathize with them.
1: There are people struggling to feed their families. I just can't I think that is, like, a very valid and perhaps, like, the healthiest takeaway (laughs) because they are incredibly wealthy people, like, they're fine, they're fine now, they're happy, they're fine, and the monarchy, it doesn't seem like the healthiest institution. The more I learn about it, the more I uh, dislike it, and... If they take the monarchy down, is it the end of the world? No, because they're also rich and they will also be fine. Like, yeah, yeah, These are, it's like maybe not the most compelling story for me anymore. Yeah. And before we wrap up our discussion, I just want to talk about perhaps my favorite moment of the whole interview. Of course, both Meg- Megan is L.A., born and raised. So there's that. And Oprah also, actually, Oprah's from Chicago, Midwest, represent, uh, but she lives in LA now. So throughout this whole interview, there was a thread of LA style wellness, which always makes me roll my eyes. But my favorite moment was literally at the beginning. It opened up and showed them like feeding their chickens, right? And I'm in Italy living with my in-laws, like I'm in rural Southern Italy, where my family has chickens. (laughs) And so they pop up on the screen with the chickens, and my mother-in-law is sitting next to me, and she goes, she has chickens? Oh, my God. was like, she has chickens? And then she said something like, I just love rescuing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is happening? Yeah. Like, and you know, it does connect to the whole theme that she's trying to put of, like, Rescuing Harry, them rescuing each other, being trapped, like the fairy tales. being unprotected. It all really connects. She's a smart, smart woman.
0: This is the thing, Katie. She's not a dumb person.
1: But this is marketing, Polly. This is marketing. She's just so good at it.
0: No, I know she's good at it. But everyone I talk to, if I say it's all marketing, they're like, Polly, you're so jaded.
1: I'm sure it was hard. Like, some of the things she said, like, it did sound like things we talk about even on our podcast. Like, she was really lonely. Like, yeah, being rich and famous sounds really lonely. Yeah. It sounds awful. Like, we have said it a million times and we will say it a million more times. Being super famous seems like it would suck. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So I am sure it was awful. And good for her for stepping back. But, like, yeah, but that doesn't mean she can't simultaneously set the narrative for the rest of her life. Like, she's a smart, smart, educated woman. Like, she can and she should. And she is. And we can just applaud that. Like, good job, Megan. You're smashing it.
0: Yeah. We should wrap up the podcast. Two things. Do you think that if Megan was not half black, And was just a white American woman Things would have gone differently
1: Yeah I do Because I think I think it would have been bad Still And and actually something that Megan said I think it was in a bonus clip Where they compared some of the coverage She got to The weighty Katie coverage and, And the negative coverage that Kate Middleton got And Kate And Megan said, "Well, I'm sure that was really hard, uh, there's a difference between rude and racist. And I think there still would have been a lot of negative coverage, but there wouldn't have been the racist coverage. And if that is also associated with an increase in death threats, an increase in security risk because of the racism, that is an additional pressure. Yeah. What do you All think?
0: Right. I think... It wouldn't have been different.
1: Maybe the end result would have like, been the I same. D- yeah, because I, I think, think Harry, Harry wanted,
0: wanted to leave. Yeah. yeah, Harry wants to be a famous guy, mm-hmm. like a celebrity. He wants to be a celebrity, actually. Yeah. So I can see that no matter, like, he wasn't trying to make it work. He was trying to get out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So regardless of who it was next to him, in the same, if the same series of events had taken place. I wouldn't be surprised if they would end up in the same place now. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I think if it was a white person that, yeah, she'd definitely get less racist attacks and less things would be targeted at her specifically to do with race. But then I'm not saying, yeah, like I feel like there's this is coming back to like this evil corporation family business. Yeah. Like a mafia family, like everyone backstabs each other. Yeah. That is how it is, because there's only one person at the top, and there is a hierarchy.
1: Yeah. Um, In the end, do you think, did the interview and some of the revelations, did it make you feel slightly more sympathetic towards Megan?
0: I did think that this interview is probably the most genuine I've seen her come across. Yeah. She didn't feel like suits Megan to me. Yeah. She felt like she was talking like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to get along with your sister-in-law. You don't have to get along with your in-laws. Mm. I mean, loads of people struggle to do that. I'm f- I feel very lucky I don't struggle to do that, but I don't know, airing it out like this, is it the right thing to do? I don't think so. Mm. So, so Katie, for people who have not watched this interview, because I know some people watched a bit of it and was like, this is two hours. I'm going to turn it off. This is too long. Um, And most of it was commercials. Um, Would you recommend it? Yes. Is there any podcasts you would recommend? Oh, my gosh.
1: I was just looking and my favorite podcast, Airheads. Well, okay. So I actually listened to two podcasts about the royal family. Um, I'm just outing myself here. Um, One is extremely, extremely pro royal family. That is Pod Save the Queen. That is produced by the Daily Mirror. So a bit of a tabloidy but Royal Rhoda view of the royal family. And the other is Airheads, which is hilarious, brilliant, anti-monarchy, but like down to gossip podcast. Um, and they have just put out their episode about this interview, and I can't wait to listen. I'm so excited. Um, Has
0: the um, Pod Save the Queen done an episode as well?
1: No, they haven't. Not yet. Oh. It's not out yet. I'm sure they were probably waiting for the Palace's statement, which has just come out. Um, Maybe. And since they're both, the people who write that are journalists on that podcast. So they probably have to write their articles before they can record the pod. Whereas I think airheads, I love you, but I don't know what your jobs are. (laughs) They might just be roommates in their apartment.
0: (laughs) Well, it sounds like you have a very balanced podcast selection, a pro and an anti. I try. I try. Yeah. If you do want to watch it, it is on ITV in the UK. And I'm sure there's loads and loads of sound bites that you've seen on social media anyway. Um, Let us know what you think. Yep. We will see you next
1: time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prime of Our Lives. We'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. To keep the conversation going, follow us on Twitter at Prime PrimeLivesPod.
0: I had a friend message me this morning on Instagram. I've not spoken to her in years. She messaged me and said, hey, Polly, I watched the Harry and Meghan thing. Um, what does this mean for the people in the UK? What's
1: it like over there?
0: <laughs> it's like, what, do you think the world is, you know, everyone in the UK is up in arms and really-
1: The castles are crumbling. <laughs> yeah, there's like
0: a revolution. Like,
1: we are no one cares. The <laughs>